Well, it's Friday, and everybody knows that Friday it's time to go inside EMS. I'm your host, Chris Sumler, and I have to tell you why. Today, I am excited. I am excited for this show. And if you've ever seen me speak, you know how excited I get. And I'm going to tell you why I'm excited. It's not because of my co-host, who I'm going to introduce, but it's because of our guest. And I'm going to tell you why in a minute. But before we do that, my good friend Kelly Grayson, KG, what's going on? Oh, man, just uh, just a typical week. Another day, another deadline. I just got back from the kickoff of our state EMS conference, the, the pre-con workshops, and taught the first first leg of a uh, EMS instructor course and uh, got to finish it up in the next couple, three days and get started with the main conference. You are the busiest man in EMS. Can we just say that? I've given you a lot of nicknames, some we can talk about on the air, but I have given you a lot of nicknames over the past five years. <laughs> And I'm going to call you the busiest man in EMS. Yeah, that that it it fits. So right now, actually, Nancy is probably the business man, busiest man or woman in EMS. I just go where they tell me. Uh, so <laughs> I ask her, "Hun, what's my itinerary today?" And she tells me where I'm go- I go and what I'm supposed to do. Well, I've got a few places for you to go as well. But before we do that, yeah. you know, I, I think. You know, I am excited for today's show. I was kind of goofing in a little Mm -hmm. bit, but I'm going to tell you why I'm excited. You know, you and I talk a lot about education, initial education, and and you and I both have a challenge with how we teach our EMTs and paramedics. You know, we, we teach them linear things. We teach them if A happens, do B. If B happens, do C. And then we expect them to be critical thinkers when they come out. Mm-hmm. And you and I have talked about the challenges when it comes to initial education. You yourself really kind of yep. try to set the standards in changing the paradigm of how we teach EMTs and paramedics. And it really, I think... To, to become great at being an EMS provider or, you know, to, to you know, a, a healthcare practitioner, it really comes down to continuing education. And our next guest, mm-hmm. I think, is really great in that field. And I am so excited to introduce her. And here's why I'm excited to introduce her. Not only is she a native New Yorker, but she's also Italian <laughs> as well. And we're going to gang up on your Cajun butt today. But her name is Gina Carbino, and you may, and you may have seen her stuff. On Facebook, she is the clinical education manager at Champlain Valley Physicians Hospital, all the way up there in Plattsburgh, New York. Any closer, you'd be speaking Canadian. Gina, I want to welcome you to Inside EMS. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited about this opportunity. I got to tell you, man, two New Yorkers, two Italians against this one. Well, that's because it because it takes two, uh, two uh, Italian would New get, Yorkers to take on one Cajun. I knew I you would know. get you a rebel. You don't stand a chance. That's thank you very much. <laughs> there we go, and it's on. So you know, Gina, uh, you know, we're just kind of joking, and we were kind of talking before we started recording, and we've never met, and I know you and Kelly have never met, but you keep us intrigued with the work that you do on Facebook. I mean, you share your wealth of knowledge when it comes to being an educator. And, you know, you do some pretty amazing things. You, you post a lot of these infographics, and you, it seems that you do a lot of writing on the board. And you make up, I don't know if you make up these mnemonics, but it seems that every time something pops up, you've got a new mnemonic for it. But I, I guess I want to ask you, just from your side, what's your philosophy when it comes to continuing education? I mean, why are you in this part of the business? What really drives you to be the best that you can in this space? I think the be a great educator you yourself have to be curious and passionate about knowledge like I'm always hungry to learn something if something pops up on anywhere in in my job 
job or somebody asks me a question and I don't know the answer, there is a fire that literally burns inside me until I have that answered. And so I think it's just curiosity. One of the things you do really well is is those, you know, those infographics and those those neat little reference tools that allow us to devote our, our decision-making processes to problem-solving rather than memorizing a bunch of stuff. I think that's a sweet spot that you and and uh, Steve Whitehead with his Remember Two Things and Tyler Christofulli with his, his mind maps for ventilator troubleshooting and that sort of thing really, really uh, do a service to us as, as providers. How do you come up with that kind of stuff? So, well, thank you. And there's actually a lot of research behind visual learning. So about 65% of the population is a visual learner. And the other thing is if you impregnate stuff with color and you Mm -hmm. organize it in such a fashion that we can remember it better. So I've really been fascinated about education and learning um, for a very long time in my career now. Uh, We have limited resources, and I think FOAM is helping with that, to develop great educators in healthcare. And how I come up with it is is basically just something strikes me and I see something and I want to learn more about it. So I create it and break it down in a way that's really easy for me to teach it. And I put it out there for the masses. So I want to talk about the problem with education. So here's what I've been saying for years, Gina. I don't know if you know this, but EMS is a very egotistical business. (laughs) No, it is. I I don't want to shock you. But it's the egotism that keeps us from asking the question why, because we don't want to look like we don't know what we're talking about in front of our peers. If we know everything there is to know about EMS, raise your hand. Well, if we know that we're going to raise our hand, because we all are going to raise our hand. I'm up here. I'm waving my hands in the air like I just don't care. That's right. That's right. You are the man of the hour too sweet to be sour. So... But one that's the, not unique to pre-hospital. It's it it plagues you know, the emergency department and critical care as well. So, but you know, here's what I want to here's what I want to give you now. So, as you know, nurses, let's say, and as paramedics come out of school, and now they have the egotism to think that they've got to know everything. You know, they've just been given a year's worth of education, two years worth of education, and now they think that. They're supposed to have all the answers. Do you find the challenge of engaging people in continuing education as well? You know, because when I was the clinical uh, clinical services director at MedStar in Fort Worth, Texas, part of my role was to think about, um, you know, continuing education. And it was almost like bringing people to the dentist to remove a wisdom tooth uh, without any Novocaine to get them to want to sit in front of their medical director for an hour once a quarter. And I always found that to be interesting that we had trouble engaging our people in continuing education. Are you still seeing that? I think it depends. I I think I have an innate ability to engage people by the way I break down information and make it fun. And I think I do that because I'm I'm a geek. I want to learn just as much as anybody else. And so I don't talk down or teach down to people like I'm on a pedestal or I have a graduate degree or I'm going to use these big fancy words. I break stuff down in these small little chunks that are fun. I also use a buzzer system and candy and that helps too. (laughs) That does work really, really well. Um, I've been uh, promoting uh, adult onset diabetes in my EMT class doing exactly the same thing. But Chris, one thing I've noticed with as far as egotism goes, I think one reason that people are so, particularly in EMS, 
are so resistant to continuing education, they regarded as a chore, something that they'd rather get out of, is because their baseline, their their experience with it, is it's been so tedious and boring. It's repetitive. You don't get anything new. They expect you to learn in the manner in which they present the information. They don't care about the way you process information. It's all about how they deliver it. Uh, and if you get it, you get it. If you don't, you don't. You must be dumb. Um, one of the, that's one of the nice things about the way Gina presents things is, is it, it kind of puts it in all flavors for, for anyone to be able to digest very well. We were talking about the, the visual learning and EMT instructor class today, uh, and how so many people are, are visual learners and how to incorporate those elements into your teaching methods. Um, but uh, I don't know where I was going with this, but I was just fangirling. I was just fangirling over, over things- Gina again. I don't think it's so much egotism. I think it's because everybody's expectations in EMS continuing education are so low because of the product that we've given them uh, over the course of their careers sucks. Yeah. It just plain and simple sucks. So until they've experienced really good continuing education, they're Absolutely. going to be resistant to the idea of it. Uh, once they have, I do this, and 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 I have people that come back to my classes every single time yeah. because that's what they want, rather you, than go where it's free at their own agency. That's because you have and, can- yeah, it's because you have candy, though. I'm sorry, Gina. Go ahead. Sure. I'm going to say amen to that. And I think as educators, it's our duty to raise that standard and make things fun and digestible and not the Charlie Brown teacher. We had a house fire. This patient came in and nobody, we had some gaps in knowledge on carbon monoxide poisoning. So I, you know, I, I did an, in a quick, like 15 minute session during huddles to all of my staff on just an in-person lecture of this is carbon monoxide poisoning. This is what we're looking for. This is the treatment. Then I had staff use our, um, continuous, um, monitoring finger probe monitoring for carbon monoxide. And I did, did a video and I uploaded it to our Facebook page. So staff could just watch the video And I think those little bite-sized chunks of different types of education and different ways to learn makes it fun. And especially if you're engaging the staff members at their level, like, come on, you come do a video with me. Let me film you do this. You know, incorporating things like Facebook Live and and a YouTube channel for your department uh, engages those those newer, uh, those younger uh, staff members that, that process information differently than we did. You know, Chris and I grew up where you, you read a book. Uh, you didn't have a fancy dancy computer. You read a book, you memorized the information in a brick and mortar classroom. And if you were lucky, the book had some relatively up-to-date pictures, but that was how you got your information. And now there's such more of a wealth of knowledge available to everyone's uh, fingertips that it's a shame that most educators don't utilize it effectively. Mm-hmm. I think that I mean, that's the worst way to learn. And, and it's it research shows us that's the least amount of retention in students when we have that brick and mortar read chapter or this like just just purely didactic learning, you know, and especially in critical care, pre-hospital, emergency department where our brains are not programmed for that. We are just going to check out after five minutes. So we need Mm -hmm. to find ways to break that information down where it's digestible and fun and engaging for the learner. Yeah, but I think even more than that, that there has to be a component as well that has to go with 
the ability to put it into action. So just because you're teaching me about carbon monoxide poisoning, just because you're <laughs> teaching me about the you know pathophysiology of an illness, just because we're talking about a med medication, I've really got to learn the application as well. One of the challenges mm -hmm. that I think we have as educators is that we're trying to figure out how best to give that information. You know, and I think this really comes down to the instructor. Because, you know, as an instructor, we should be able to look at the, the people that we're teaching and make the determination of what type of learning style that they have and then be able to kind of change the teaching style or give different examples based on those learning styles of the, um, you know, of the audience. But, but I think that the thing that we need to really think about is, you know, how do we apply the information that we're giving them as well? So I just don't want to talk about the medication. I just don't want to talk about why it's used. I want to really kind of give them the ability to, to put that into practice. I mean, do you find that to be a challenge when it comes to, you know, trying to teach people or do they kind of pick that up on their own? Because Kelly, I know I'm rambling now, but Kelly, I know you no. said it, that there's a wealth of information on the internet, but they're not using it. No, no. And I also think that education is siloed and our practice. So, and, and kudos to you for having me on here and breaking down some of these silos between pre-hospital emergency department and critical care. We're, we're learning separately. We're practicing separately. And that's, that's just not the way that we need to be. We need to, you know, get together and pool our resources. So we're talking the same language language we're practicing the same way and that's just going to equal better clinicians better critical thinking and better patient care i think that's one of the big issues in healthcare is everything is so siloed and i think foam and is breaking down those barriers and putting people in connection with each other so we have this giant pool of resources and excellent educators who can bring that education to anybody that wants to learn so that's one piece. And to clinically apply it, I think we need we need people out there that have practiced before. So for a long time, I think educators in healthcare have not necessarily been the best clinicians. And I think we're we're seeing a shift where we're now having good clinicians move into those educator roles. And that's helping a lot. When I can get out and I can put scrubs on and a pair of sneakers, we just had a disaster the other day. I had to go get OR scrubs and sneakers and go out there and be an ER nurse and a trauma nurse. And when staff sees that, they're like, wow, okay, she she can, she does have some, some street credit. Uh, that helps a lot with application as well and that staff buying. You know, uh, a wise teacher I had way back in high school taught me about marketing and salesmanship. And he said, you know, um, you sell the sizzle, not the steak. And, and EM teaching at its at, at its distilled down to its essence is nothing but knowledge salesmanship. You have a product, you're trying to make that product interesting to a buyer, um, and, and it's all about you can have the best product in the world, but if you suck as a salesman, no one's going to buy it. So, you know the the things Chris mentioned, like applicability and and how we how we make that relevant to the learner and, and make it visually appealing, like you do with your infographics, is is part and parcel of effective teaching. It, it's not enough to just know the information; mm -hmm. you have to be able to package it and convey it well. And that's that's the sweet spot for really effective education. Uh, you've got good information, but it's also information that, that appeals to people. And I'm going to take that a step further and say that you need to be passionate about learning yourself. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think that that's going to be really important. So I think everybody has a favorite. You know, so when I was in the in the continuing education realm, 
uh, even you know in initial education I love to teach cardiology cardiology is my thing and I just enjoy the heck out of it and I try to find ways to make it easy Gina what's what's your favorite topic that you like to teach to your folks well I literally have a t-shirt that says I heart electrophysiology <laughs> I like that's one of my favorites as well uh, I need to be better at it but it is one of my favorites. Uh, every time I go over to, to Tom Boothley's blog, I feel I feel stupid. So when he's I, great, when he's I, another yeah. amazing educator. The way he yeah. breaks things down. Yeah, and his whole team over there. When I want to, when I want to get my ego in check, uh, whenever I'm getting a little full of myself, I browse over to, to pre hospital twelve lead and go. Okay, these guys are better than me. I, I need to shut up and pay attention now. Um, but that's. Uh, Passion shows through no matter what you do. Um, and I was I was telling students earlier today is that no matter if you state something passionately enough, people will believe it even if it's wrong. Sadly, That's the truth. Uh, <laughs> if you say it with enough with enough verb and with enough panache, people are just going to buy into it, and it can be absolutely wrong. So uh, it's it's effective, but it needs to be just it's just as important as as knowledge of the material. Yeah, absolutely. So, Gina, let me ask you a question. So, you, you know, as as a uh, clinical education manager, I'm sure that you're learning things every day. Well, what's the what's the hot thing on your mind right now? What is it that you're preparing for your folks, or what is it that you just learned maybe yourself that you can share with the audience and kind of give us a little pearl, something we could take away. So, one of the things that one of my major projects I'm working on right now, and for the month of August, I'm making my team sign up: an ER doc, a nurse, and a CA. Teams of four, but they need to have at least those three combos. And I'm locking them in one of our trauma rooms. Security is going to stay outside and they have an hour to escape. So I'm making a trauma ER escape room. How is that going to work? Um, well, they're going to have different tasks and formulas to fill out. They have to solve all the problems to get out of the room. So basically, if, you're, one thing will lead to if, another thing. and then Exactly. And if they're unsuccessful, I'm, uh, security is going to tie them down in leathers. <laughs> it's like Saw at Champlain Valley Physicians. Hospital. That's right. Would you like to play a game? Crazy yep, enough. absolutely. So I'm, I'm going to be the patient. Um, one of the, the first problems is they're going to have to figure out my QTC. Really? Yep. And so my QTC is going to open. I hope nobody, I hope none of my staff is going to listen to this podcast, <laughs> but my, my QTC is going to open the first lock. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. And they have a series of locks to get out of the room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, absolutely. I, are, are, now, are you going to put the, are you going to put the teams in competition with one another and kind of get peer pressure and, and, yeah, and no, absolutely. dynamics so they're, involved? Their times, their times are going to be the competition. <laughs> and then, um, the, the winners are getting uh, signed Braslow tapes. From from Braslow himself? From Braslow. Oh, that's, that's right. Pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I, I play symptom-based games with, with my students. That's one of the things. I call it zebra practice. And I'll tell... I'll tell students when they're when they're still learning, you know, differential diagnoses and things, take one symptom, one symptom, design a scenario around it. And it always turns out that they, they start with the generic simple stuff first. I'll say syncopal episode uh, and they'll come up 
orthostatic syncope of the or the transient uh, cardiac arrhythmia or that. But invariably, somebody's going to start looking for the zebras uh, to stump the other team and to, to one up the other the other team. And and so the next guy you've got is has got micturation syncope or or some really off the wall uh, cause of a fainting spell. And and but the the cool thing is that the students are learning this and it's self directed and they're learning what a horse looks like while they're furiously researching that zebra. Um, yes. and, and the competition really, really drives that and, and makes it valuable to, to the, uh, to the learner, um, rather than me droning on and on and on about the, the list of differentials for syncopal episode. Yeah, right on. Cause you know, pre-hospital ED critical care, we're all that type A personality. So we don't want to lose. You know, one of the things that I'm curious in is, you know, as you've gone through your career as an educator and as a nurse. One of the things that I've always found interesting is that the generations that come in who are, uh, you know, kind of learning, you know, the next generation. Do you find that in this space that the generation, the new generation is hard to teach or are they are they easier to teach? I mean, so what is what is the uh, your experience telling you? So from a lot of educators, I hear that the newer generation is harder to teach. I have not found that at all in my experience. Um, I think that they're engaged. They're active learners. They don't mind asking questions. They don't mind, you know, raising their hand and asking that silly question in front of the room. Um, you give them homework. They do it. I, I don't I don't find that at all. They're they're not harder to teach. Uh, but you've got some older educators who are set in their ways who are, are refuse to adapt their methods to the needs of their current class. Uh, yep. and, and that's so flip side of that coin, uh, you find that the millennials or the Generation Z are not harder to teach. They simply process information differently than we do and they obtain information differently than they do. Which which. Uh, demographic is most resistant to your teaching methods. They, they, do you have any any older nurses or doctors that kind of sneer at it and go, "This is gimmicky and it'll never work"? And and why do you have to put it in little little uh, cutesy pictures and, and that sort of thing? So I think that there's always going to be the haters out there, and oh, yeah. you know, like they say, there's 20 percent of the population that you can't shift or get on board, and, and that's fine. I, I don't mind my haters, but they, I think, eventually they're going to catch on because they want to be with this setting. They want to be good. They want to have the knowledge, and so they they hop on board eventually. You just keep on putting out the candy and the buzzer systems, and they'll they they eventually come. What's the what's the well, buzzer what's the buzzer system? I, I'm not. Are you, are you talking about, is that the one where you, they answer from their phones or something? No, I actually have like a lockout Jeopardy buzzer system. So everybody gets a buzzer and they press a button. Whoever's first, it lights up and it locks everybody else out. Because if you try to play something like that, everybody's like, well, I rang in first or I had my hand up first. So I just ended it and bought a buzzer system off of Amazon. And now we know who answered first. That's pretty awesome. I, I use Kahoot in the same way. Um, mm-hmm, and yeah. Kahoot. Kahoot awards more points for the for the first person to to buzz in, so, and, and it works great. God, you talk about 
cutthroat competitions <laughs> in class when they they get to to trying to outdo one another. Yeah, um, that works great in a class setting. But so I'll even take my buzzer system out to like our trauma bay or right mm-hmm. on the floor, and I'll grab five staff members and make them come for just like a quick five minute like trivia session. And, and they love it. The doctors will get involved. You know, our, our medics will come in, our EMTs will come in. They'll all, all grab a buzzer. They just love it. Anything that in, invokes a competition. Yeah, and well, and, and you're handing out candy as food. And anyone who's ever met an ER nurse knows that if you want to make something uh, relatable, you, you put it in terms of food or, or other things. <laughs> They're I, I, suckers do, I, do, for food. I hand out badge buddies, too. So that's my side gig is badge buddies. So they get they get badge buddies. And honestly, it's about 50-50 if they want a granola bar or a badge buddy. Or, or cool pins. Cool <laughs> cool True. pins might be pretty, pretty effective swag. Nurses love pens. I know. I steal all my best pins from the nurses. So I think, you know, I, I've really looked forward to having you on. And I think it's been fun just to kind of, you know, sit around and, and, you know, and chew the fat and, you know, just kind of learn a little bit about you. And I would like to like to ask you to come back on uh, some future shows, maybe when you have a specific topic that you find that is very, very interesting that you can share with the audience. You know, I think you have a unique style of education. I think you have a passion for it. You know, talking to you now really kind of, you know, it makes you understand how you go about your business and why I think you're very successful at it. And uh, you've got a promise that when you have something good that uh, the listeners can, uh, you know, get some use out of, you come back and you bring it to us. Absolutely. I'd love to. That's great. But, hey, that's what we think. We'd like to hear what you think. If you're familiar with Gina's work, what's your favorite infographic that she's she's posted? Uh, what are some other educators that you can highlight that break down complex stuff into easily understandable bites? We'd like to hear your thoughts and tips and tricks on the show at ems1.com. And for myself, co-host Chris Ceballero, and our special guest this week, Gina Carbino, thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS. We're going to catch you guys next week. <laughs>